Hi, this is Lindsay. This is Katie. This is Philip. This is Chelsea. And this is Hanging Hangin with, with My Cronies. All right, today we're going to poke some holes in what we think we know about cheese and the science behind cheese making. Today we're going to get a little cheesy. Let's pass some curds and talk about it, guys. <laughs> You all know that I'm from Wisconsin, so I wanted to make this episode about America's dairy land, what we do best, which is making cheese and cheese. <laughs> awesome. I like cheese. Mm-hmm. Anybody got a favorite cheese? Mm, drunken goat. Stinking bishop. Stinking bishop? Mm. What's that? Very smelly cheese in England. Chelsea, what's your favorite cheese? Velveeta. <laughs> no, smoked gouda. Smoked gouda. Has anyone actually eaten that cheese that comes in the aerosol can? With yes, cheese whiz. Che- oh, it's great on Ritz crackers. It's really? great on Philadelphia cheesesteaks. Mm-hmm. You put cheese on cheese? No, that's the cheese they use for a Philly cheesesteak most commonly. Cheese whiz. Really? Yeah, you can get provolone and stuff too. But Fancy. if you go to Philly... Anybody want to take a guess at how many pounds of cheese is produced in Wisconsin per year? 100,000 pounds. Philip? 50,000 pounds. What do you think, Chelsea? 25 tons. Well, in 2017, Wisconsin produced 3.2 billion, (gasps) yes, billion pounds of cheese. Jesus. And it supplies... (laughs) Wisconsin supplies about 26% of the nation's cheese supply. And to make all that cheese, we use um, about 90% of the state's milk supply to make the cheese. So they have to import milk from other states in order to compensate for all that cheese making. (laughs) So if Wisconsin accounts for 26%, where does the rest of it come from? California's happy cows. Yeah, is it the Yeah, it the com- there's California, um, New York, I believe, is one of them. It's not Texas. No, it's not Texas. Uh, the reason being was, at one time, California was catching up to producing the same amount of milk as Wisconsin. Because in California, the weather is really great so and nice for the cows all year round, where in Wisconsin, um, you know, we've got winter, cold, cold winters. So the milks, the cows do not produce as much milk in mm-hmm. the wintertime as what they would during the summer months. So that's why they said they, California has happier cows because the weather is better. It's weather's warmer. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Um, okay. So it's going to give you guys some history behind cheese making um, in, in Wisconsin. Um, it started in the early 1800s and it was a way to reduce the milk waste because back in the 1800s there wasn't really refrigeration around Mm -hmm. and transportation was limited so by um, turning the milk into cheese or butter that was a way to preserve Mm -hmm. preserve your cheese kind of like grocery stores how they preserve some of their avocados by selling guacamole yeah (laughs) (laughs) similar right technology Mm -hmm. just same and yet strangely nothing like at all (laughs) yeah Alrighty, so the first cheese factory in Wisconsin was started by a woman. Yes, ma'am. Um, in 1841. Um, and during the 1840s, cheesemakers began paying attention to the quality of the manufacturing of the cheese. 
So at the time, there were almost as many ways to make cheese as there were cheesemakers. So it was really interesting to read that during this period, um, people were starting to look at the quality of cheese and um, what makes a good cheese versus a bad cheese to try to start controlling um, how how this uh, food is manufactured. So with the efforts into finding good quality cheeses, then did that also bring the need for more reproducible manufacturing once they got it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So then during the 1860s to the 1890s, um, the Wisconsin dairy industry experienced a type of industrial revolution in equipment. This moved cheese making from homesteads to factories. So that helped to um, make the standards for cheese making um, a lot more stringent. So with the factory made cheeses now, this also brought um, higher prices to the market because now people can start making uh, more uniform quality cheeses. So how many different types of cheeses can you guys name? I'll go first. Cheddar. Red Leicester. Monterey. Munster. Stilton. Uh, Brie. Gouda. Pecorino. Uh, Pepper Jack. Monterey Jack. Parmesan. Burrata. So the Wisconsin immigrant population brought all these different types of cheeses that you've just named um, to market in, in the U.S. We have the Swiss from Switzerland, get mozzarella, provolone, gorgonzola from Italy, camembert, brie, blue cheese from France, Munster and Limburger from Germany, cheddar from Philip's home country, England, and uh, Gouda and... I can never pronounce this. Is it Edam? E-D-A-M? Edam. Edam from the Netherlands. That's an interesting cheese because that's made backwards. What do you mean it's made backwards? E-D-A-M. Oh. (laughs) Did you look like plan that before we got here today? (laughs) Oh, he did. He did. Wow. So what about what comes from California? Basically guacamole is California's cheese. Avocado is California's cheese. We're meant cheese. to have discussion. I know. It's the oh funniest thing you've okay. ever said. She looks like she wants to uh, off us all. Alrighty. So, yeah. <laughs> avocado. So, and then Wisconsin. Uh, cheese makers actually invented uh, brick cheese and Colby cheese. I don't know if you guys have heard of those. I've but... heard of Colby, but not brick. Colby's like a kind of, it's close to Monterey, right? Yeah. It's usually marbled. Yeah. So we've got all this cheese. So we need many, many factories to make all these different types of cheeses. Um, in 1870, there was 54 cheese factories uh, listed in, in the state of Wisconsin. And um, the business really took off. And by the 1920s, there were over 1,500 cheese factories in the state. Wow. During colonial times, a lot of the cheese making was done in um, Vermont, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. New York. Um, but then as those, the immigrants there moved more west um, and then new immigrants like from uh, Central and Western Europe moved uh, more inland toward Wisconsin and in the Midwest, then that's where cheese kind of started mm-hmm. really taking off. Um, and it's presum- predominantly cow's cheese, is it produced there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, today there are uh, only 144 plants. You know, I recently read that there's actually more avocados in the state of California than people. <laughs> Katie? Katie Elizabeth. Oh, okay. 
any more for us or is that it? There might be more. Yeah, I'm sure. All right. So what do you guys know about the history of cheese? You tell me, does anybody know the origins of cheese? How did cheese get started? It is. Do you know why it's controversial, Philip? Just because there's no written established true history is what I've read. And I read an interesting... I have a question, though. If there was no written history, how did you read it? Well, because I didn't read the written history, I read the story about the controversy in cheese history. But this was about, uh, I think it was an Arab tradesman who was transporting milk. And I want to say it was camel's milk. And because it was really hot and he didn't want the milk to spoil, he actually kept it in the fourth stomach lining from a cow to transport it. Philip's right. The origins of cheese making is unknown and controversial. Um, but it is thought that it started about eight to 10,000 years ago when humans started domesticating animals such as sheep. Um, we found artifacts of cheese making in ancient Greek mythology, and we've also found it on Egyptian tomb murals that dated over 4,000 years ago. So we know that cheese has been around at least 4,000 years. It's believed that cheese may have been accidentally discovered by storing milk in containers made from stomachs of animals. It's the, the rennet, um, which is an enzyme found in stomachs of ruminant am animals, would cause the milk to coagulate, <clears throat> excuse me, separating the curds and whey. Um, by the time of the Roman Empire, cheese making had become very widespread, highly valued, and practiced throughout Europe and the Middle East. So that's where your camel's milk mm -hmm. probably came in. Um, however, what I found really interesting was that most of the cheeses that we eat today are actually relatively new to the cheese scene, um, <laughs> of only appearing within the last cheese has a scene. The cheese scene, <laughs> cheese scene, uh, with only appearing within the last five hundred years. Hipster cheeses. Yeah, mm -hmm. seriously. Yes, the hipster revolution is really, <laughs> really taken off in the in cheese. Yeah. So what are all the different kinds of animals that we use milk from to make cheese? And So cow's milk is um, something, you know, is the most common uh, milk used for cheese. You know, lately goat and sheep have been getting really popular. Uh, but also there's yak, yak milk, water buffalo, Reindeer. Reindeer, wow. There's an alcoholic milk as well, isn't there? Reindeer cheese, yes. Kumis is an alcoholic horse milk that is found in Central Asia. Camel's milk, which um, uh, is a staple in the Middle East, but here in the U.S. is kind of a bit of a delicacy. It's very expensive to get a pint of camel's milk. And never knew about the majority of that. I know. I, mean, I haven't. I didn't either. Um, and actually, people have been experimenting to get um, milk uh, from pigs to make ricotta. What the? Ricotta cheese. Oh, my goodness. But um, Pig ricotta? Anyway, they've been having <clears throat> trouble getting um, milk from, uh, from pigs that are lactating because they could be a bit... Um, cranky. Cranky. Mm -hmm. And so when a person is trying to milk the pig, the pig doesn't want to cooperate. So it's still a work in progress of getting, of making pig ricotta. Lindsay, can you taste the difference between cheeses from different animals? Can you taste the difference? I think I can. Okay. Goat for sure. Uh, but I don't know about the others. Should we go to a tasting? Yeah. Let's see if yes. we can. 
All right. Yes. <laughs> Are you guys ready to taste some oh. cheese? Yes, ma'am. Woohoo! <laughs> Okay, so I have six types of cheeses that I would like you guys to try. I'm not going to reveal what they are. I would like you to guess what type of cheese it is that I am handing out to you. Have descriptive words for how to taste your cheese. Okay, so the six different types of cheeses that you're going to be tasting today is a two-year, a six-year, an eight-year, twelve-year cheddar. A sheep cheddar and a goat Monterey Jack. So, um, with cheeses, there's eight different aroma families, um, and those are lactic, vegetable, floral, fruity, toasted, animal, spice, and then others. What are the taste buds that are at the back of your tongue? Are they the salty ones? Oh, I forget what that is. Back of the tongue taste buds. Umami. The who? The umami. Yeah. Certain um, spicier cheeses, when you eat them, you'll catch, you'll get that spice flavor on the back of your, oh, okay, on the back I, of your throat. Yeah, there's a term that the for that, but I forget what it's called. I smell number one. Edamame, did you say? Umame. You smell number Edamame. one. Have you tried the efficacy of these in mouse traps? Oh, apparently that is a myth. Mice do not like cheese. Really. Kate, you would say, this is the bomb.com. This is the bomb.com. Did I get that right? Yes. Good job. All right. Mine aren't written. Are you, are you ready? Yep. Okay. All right. So number one you thought so. was, what did you think number one was? Monterey Jack. I just put cheese. That's very original, Philip. Right. <laughs> what did you think it was, Chelsea? The two year. And Philip also wrote two. Yeah, but it was so bland, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what knew. Monterey is. I couldn't so. tell the difference between Monterey and Cheddar before, but okay. Yeah, but you wrote Monterey on cheese. three of them. Cheese number one was actually sheep's milk cheddar. Oh, really? Number two is Monterey then. Wow. Yes. Or maybe not, I don't know. Yeah. I don't wow. like sheep's milk cheddar. I like it, it's and mild. Yeah, it's a very, yeah, sheep's milk is a very mild cheese. Was that the really squishy cheese. one? It, yeah, it's very... Oh, no, it's number two. Was right so number two is the most squishy, yeah. Uh-oh. Okay, so what did you think number two was? Well, now I think it's Monterey Jack. <laughs> but I think they're all that. I thought that was a sheep. I thought that was a sheep, too. Okay. Number two was actually, it was the goat. The goat Monterey uh, Jack. Wait, so there's Katie's a goat right. and a sheep? Oh, okay. I knew that. <laughs> totally. Okay, so... Um, what did you think number three was? Oh. 12 year? 12 year. If not but eight year. The orange could have been 12 year too. Chelsea is correct. That was Yay! eight year cheddar. Really? Yeah. Point for me. Oh, eight year cheddar. Wow. I'm very so, surprised. I mean, so you noticed when you went from the cheese one and cheese two to cheese three, cheese three was a lot more crumbly. <laughs> it was more cheese sharp three really hit you, yeah. pungent, yeah. yeah. So, and that's what happens to cheese as it gets, as it gets a lot, as it gets older. So, what did you think then the number four was? A two-year cheddar? I was wrong. <laughs> She's not going to I didn't put anything down for number okay. four. Katie was right. It's Woo-hoo! a two-year cheddar. So, because you noticed um, when I cut it, the two-year cut a lot more solid. Yeah. It didn't crumble as when much. When you cut the cheese. I cut the cheese. <laughs> 
you, uh, it was, you know, it Surprise, was Surprised it's taken us that long to get yeah, that in. Yeah, cheese Louise, am I right? So what did you think, uh, so what was number five? What do you think number five was then? Eight uh, year. So oh, no, it's wrong. Six, six year. year. Okay. You, and even though I didn't Katie's write that, cheating. but I know the other one was eight year, why would I <laughs> guess that again? Chelsea's right. Yes! It was the six year. That was the 12. No, number five was six. No, but number six was 12. Number number six is the 12 year, yeah. Really? Yeah, so the color, because they they colored it uh, yellow and... Well, do they color the cheese or do, is it a natural color from the process? Yeah, so it's a coloring process that they add, that they do to the cheese. Anyways. So we, we had a bit of trouble telling the difference in the ages. Very much Hold so. on. Is right? Hold on. Except for Chelsea. She did a pretty good job. She did a pretty good job. Guess what? And, we also had we had a little bit of trouble with telling what animal it was, right? Well, chromatography helps us detect the age and the type of milk that's being used in in the cheddars. I forgot really? to my column with me. So, to stuff the cheese down the column. <laughs> Thank you for bringing a little bit of Wisconsin. Yeah. 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 This Good. was a really <coughs> moving experience. <laughs> <laughs> So we had some trouble trying to tell the differences in the ages of the cheeses that we tasted today, including the animal of where the milk came from. Um, but chromatography does not lie, and chromatography actually is what helps us determine the age of the cheese. And if the cheese has been adulterated, so if someone was going to say sell some um, cheddar that and say the claim that it's 100% buffalo cheese but it really is a mix of buffalo milk and cow's milk so Lindsay, whenever companies are trying to verify or validate the kind of animal that the cheese is made from so what kind of molecule are they looking for in chromatography so is it a protein or a peptide or a small molecule what what is it that they're actually looking for so they're actually looking at um, the event, the complex event called proteolysis. Okay. Um, this happens during the maturation of cheese. Okay. Cheese is characterized by the breakdown and solubilization of casein, um, and this leads to very important structural modifications in the cheese. The breakdown of casein happens rapidly during the first few months of the cheese process, and then it decreases during the final stage of the ripening process. And as it, casein becomes solubilized, this leads to a balance between peptones, which are water-soluble mixtures of peptides and amino acids, and amino acids. So they're looking at this whole repertoire of proteins and peptides to determine the age and the ripeness of the cheese. And so how do they tell the different cheeses from, say, between cows and sheep? So different mammalian species usually show differences in casein sequences, and this gives way to um, homologous but not identical peptides during the proteolytic process in cheese production. So how do they put the cheese inside of the column? Do they pack the cheese in the column? Do they shove it in there? <laughs> Does it clog the frit? <laughs> no, they actually make water-soluble extracts of the cheese, 
which is prepared by homogenizing finely grated cheese in deionized water. Mm, like yeah. powdered Parmesan with the homogenizer. With the homogenizer. <laughs> so they have this finely grated cheese in deionized water, and they filter then this mixture um, and concentrate it in order to analyze it. So this sample then gets processed through an analytical column, such as in Aminex 87H column. And from there, then they could detect the free amino acids, non-volatile acids, and sugars to determine the degree of the ripening of the cheese. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> Another marker that they look at um, for, uh, for the quality of the cheese is um, beta-lactoglobulin, which is a whey protein. There's two variants of this protein um, that can be detected at very low levels using HPLC electrospay ionization MS. Um, these two isoforms, they differ in only two amino acids. So food sciences ha scientists have learned that the relative abundance of the isoforms varies uh, based on the genetics of the cow breeds. Um, this understanding of the ratio between these two isoforms uh, can be used for the assessment on which cow breeds can be used for cheese production, which breeds. That's utterly amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's been shown that um, the B variant of, um, of this protein ha has um, produced better cheese. Um, and better quality of milk compared to the A variant. So what breeds of cow have the B variant? Is it like a Holstein, a Jersey Swiss? Uh, those are the only two cows I know. <laughs> Angus? Well, I mean. Oh, Kobe. Kobe. No? Okay. <laughs> I don't know that answer, but, um, but you can but taste differences in quality of cheeses based on the, type, the cow. Hmm. Based on the actual cow or the species of cow? The species of the cow. But it also depends on what the cow is eating. That's exactly what I was about to ask. So what kind of diet do they keep dairy cows on? Avocados. <laughs> that depends, right? Is it is this cow pasture raised or is this cow, you know, are they have eating corn? That's my question to you, too, because I would think for the most part... It can be any. It can be anything. It just it, it depends on the cheesemaker's preference. Yeah. Do they want a cow that grazes in organic pastures? Do they want that type of milk? Or are they going to take um, milk from that's a mixture uh, from different farms? The dairy farm that I worked on, we would feed them. They would graze part of the day, but we would also give them... Uh, hay and some dried corn in there as well so they got a little bit of everything mm -hmm. but that's interesting that their diet from the farm that they come from can have an impact on the taste mm -hmm. i mean it makes sense right but i never considered it before when we were doing our cheese tasting we were also smelling the cheeses right we were well some of us were smelling a little bit more closely than others <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so you can actually use chromatography to detect the, the smell of the cheese uh, and that type of chromatography is called gas chromatography olfactometry. Have you guys Just heard of like that? in the beer. They have like a little nose piece where you can smell the analytes coming out that when up. it comes out um, on the chromatogram. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 
So yeah, so from using that method, then um, they can detect alcohols, aldehydes, ketones, esters, lactones, nitrogen-containing compounds, sulfur-containing compounds, free fatty acids. So lots of different stuff they can detect off of um, just the smell of the cheese. What kind of cheese has sulfur-containing compounds in it? Blue cheese? Because that's the most stinky cheese I can think of. Like what, Limburger cheese? Haven't had that cheese. That's a stinky cheese. It smells like sulfur when you cut the cheese. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're you're wrong. All right. So speaking of chromatography and cheese, there's actually a large dairy company that purchased a NGC as well as some of our columns and resins to try and purify the lactoferrin out of the residual whey um, that's produced from cheese making. So, while I don't know what the status of their project right now, I thought it was pretty cool the fact that they are trying to salvage what the whey is typically what they throw away in cheese making, but they're trying to get that lactoferrin out so that they can make a product out of it using our chromatography products. Pretty cool. Five fast facts about cheese. <laughs> How many pounds of milk do you think it takes to make a pound of cheese? Four. Ten. How many pounds of milk? Five. Katie's right. Ten. Ten pounds of milk is needed to make one pound of cheese. Ten percent yield. Uh, anybody want to take a guess at why uh, certain cheese names are capitalized? Ooh, is it part of a county? It's the region. Yeah, it's named after a city. Yep. yep. So sort of like wine, right? Like champagne. It's yeah, cool. Champagne. What what's the difference in curd size? Well, the larger the curd, the softer the cheese. So does that have more lactose in it than say a hard cheese? Yes. I would think so. Yeah. Also, do you know that um, there are sixty master cheesemakers in the US? And all of them live in Wisconsin. <laughs> so because apparently in Wisconsin you need to have a cheese license in order to have your own in order to make cheese or to have your own factory. Huh. And the only place in the U.S. to get this license or this master's is through a class at University of Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really all that prestigious. We're just, a little, we're just a little snobby about our cheese. Only a little. Only a little. So, and finally, how much cheese do you think Americans consume per capita? 5,000 tons. Oh, not everyone. Individually. Individually. Oh. Individually, yeah. So oh. Americans consumed 36.9 pounds of cheese in 2017. Wow. That's compared to 14.3 pounds in 1975. So we eat a lot of cheese. How many pounds of avocados do Americans <laughs> eat? What is the country that eats the most cheese per capita? The country that eats the most cheese per capita is Denmark, followed by Iceland, and then Finland. Huh. So the U.S. doesn't even make the top five. So I hope this was utterly informative for you. Next time you eat cheese, you can appreciate the science that goes behind making it to ensure it's good taste and quality. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to BioRadiations or Apple Podcasts. And thanks for hanging with us. This podcast is an original creation of BioRad Laboratories. 
Biorad is a trademark of Biorad Laboratories Incorporated in certain jurisdictions. All trademarks mentioned herein are the property of their respective owner.